Before we start, we want to say a quick thank you to Wharton Fintech's platinum sponsor, the Stevens Center for Innovation and Finance. The Stevens Center is the premier research, education, and thought leadership institution in the world for financial technology. Welcome to the Wharton Fintech podcast. I'm your host, Sam Werther, and I'm excited to be interviewing Alex Lebo. Alex is co-founder of Say, a New York City-based technology company disrupting the $4 billion investor communications industry. Say serves millions of investors as a full-service proxy processing and shareholder communication provider in partnership with leading brokerages and investment platforms. Say is also pioneering new modes of shareholder engagement for investors, funds, and companies, including a high-profile engagement with Elon Musk and Tesla for their earnings calls, annual shareholder meetings, and product launches. Alex previously practiced law in the mergers and acquisitions group at Simpson, Thatcher, and Bartlett in New York City and received his JD and BA from the University of Pennsylvania. Good to be here, Sam. Thanks for having me. So, Alex, can you talk a little bit about yourself, your background, and the management team at Say? Sure. So I have a pretty typical background for, for people who have found their way into the in-tech ecosystem in, in New York City, at least. I went to the University of Pennsylvania for college, and I stuck around for law school, actually, at Penn. And during my time in law school, I was able to intern at the Securities and Exchange Commission and uh, learned a little bit about the, uh, the intersection between the, the regulatory world and the, the financial system and the way that regulation kind of lead to businesses and create markets. And uh, after law school, worked at a law firm for about three years uh, called Simpson, Thatcher and Bartlett, where I was uh, focused on private equity mergers and acquisitions, kind of large corporate transactions. And during my time there, you, know, you, kind, of, you kind of become a, a professional very quickly at a place like that. You know, they throw you into the deep end and quite a bit of uh, you know, high stakes, you know, the, pretty much the highest stakes transactions that, that go on in the world run through places like that. And, and one of the, the opportunities that I noticed and, I, and, and some of my, the people who eventually became my co-founders were noticing at the same time in their respective businesses was this shareholder communications world. Uh, which is what, what most people are familiar with, proxy voting. That's the, the way that shareholders interact with it. They receive these things in the mail that ask them to vote for directors and on M&A transactions, which is how I was interacting with the system. And it was a, kind of seen as a, as a back office, compliance, regulated function that no one really paid all that much attention to. Uh, but when we, we took a deep, deeper look at it, and so my co-founder, Julio Freitas, who I actually knew from high school, uh, at the same time, I was a, a lawyer working on M&A transactions, was working at a hedge fund, uh, looking at uh, some of the companies in this shareholder communication space and realized this is actually a huge industry. Billions of dollars a year are spent on these communications, and no one really pays attention to making them better or thinks about what the customer experience is like for the people actually receiving them and the people actually paying for them. And we can get into the, kind of the structure of this market, which is one of the more interesting things to talk about, I think, in this space. So we basically piece the, put the pieces together and realize that these, these crappy communications that people are getting and throwing away are actually, there's actually billions of dollars being spent on them and no one's too happy with it. Uh, so long story short, kind of stumbled into this area, which is extremely ripe for disruption. And I, I can't think of a, another space uh, of this size or importance that's that this ripe for disruption. It's, it's about $3 billion a year is spent on this. And it's really important. This is something I like to talk to people about. The shareholder franchise, you know, the votes of shareholders are what uh, ev literally every director in America can, you know, their, their, their authority is derived from the shareholders of the company. So, so literally anything you can think about that has anything to do with a public company in this country, which is frankly pretty much everything, 
uh, can be connected to the votes of shareholders. It's a really important democratic framework built into the capital markets. And it all comes back to these crappy communications that get mailed around. So a huge market, huge opportunity, very interesting. And the company basically brands itself. It's say. People have say or they don't have say in the companies they invest in. Sounds great. Just to take a step back for a second, can you describe Say's different businesses? Or in other words, what are your potential sources of revenue? Sure. So yeah, I mean, the, the, the easiest way to understand it is to look at, the, look at the system as a whole, the shareholder communications ecosystem, we like to say. So the, the, the basic idea is that public companies and funds have a regulatory obligation to get information to their shareholders. For a, for a public company, this is governed by state law. For example, Delaware state law, for example, needs to have a shareholder meeting every year. A Delaware public company is obligated to have a shareholder meeting, and they need to get a proxy statement to their shareholders every year. The way that it works in this country is most people, like the two of us and mo- most investors, invest through brokerages, broker-dealers. So if you own your stock through a broker, there's an intermediary between you and the company. And this is an oversimplification. There's usually multiple intermediaries. There's maybe the broker you invest in, you know, that, you, that you interact with. There's a custodian above that, maybe a series of custodians, something called the Depository Trust Company, DTC, which is kind of the, the top level depository of all the, what's known as street name shares uh, owned by most regular investors and most institutions in, in this country. So, so long story short, there's an, a number of intermediaries that get in between you and the companies you invest in, but those companies still have that obligation to get stuff to you uh, every year. And for a public company, it's maybe it's a proxy statement for a fund, a mutual fund or an ETF. It's a prospectus or an annual or semi-annual report, stuff that needs to be periodically disseminated to shareholders. So what the SEC did, and this was uh, back in the 80s, it came up with a series of rules that said, okay, you, you broker brokers, you intermediaries, if you receive stuff from a public company, let's take Apple and use the example of Schwab. If you own a share of Apple at Schwab's broker, Schwab is obligated when it receives materials from Apple to forward those materials on to all the Apple shareholders at Schwab. And they say, you, you know, you're going to, uh, you're, Schwab, you're the kind of indispensable intermediary in this process, so you're going to be required to perform this function. But you shouldn't have to you know, lose money doing this. Apple is obligated to reimburse you for your costs in, in forwarding these materials. And so that's kind of the, that's the basic structure of the rules. What wound up happening over the years was all the Schwabs of the world, all the brokers of the world have outsourced this function to vendors. You know, it's not, not core to the brokerage business by any means, so it, and certainly economies of scale to be gained by outsourcing this to, to vendors. And there was a ton of consolidation in that vendor space. Uh, and so the, that reimbursement for cost that I described, the, you know, the Schwab being reimbursed by Apple for its costs and forwarding, has become really the, the way that these companies make, make money. And there's, it's more than just a reimbursement for costs. It's, there's quite a bit of profit to be made, actually, in performing this function on behalf of brokers. But we have a much bigger vision that we're building around that we've already built and are continuing to build, which is that once you have a direct electronic connection between a company and a shareholder, they should, they should be talking to each other more than once a year in connection with an annual meeting through some regulatory kind of boilerplate proxy statement. There's a whole world of interaction and engagement that's mutually beneficial to both sides of that uh, conversation that we are enabling through our platform, through our API, that brokers can in- incorporate into their mobile apps, for example, or companies can incorporate into their websites. And they can start thinking about their shareholders like customers. 
start thinking about marketing and user experience and the way you think about users of products as opposed to just shareholders that need to be uh, communicated with for some regulatory reason. Uh, so that's what we're building. So around that regulatory uh, communications machine, uh, we've built shareholder engagement uh, technology. We, we've debuted this with Tesla is probably our most visible client uh, on this front, uh, where whenever Elon Musk takes questions from shareholders on an earnings call or in their annual meeting, uh, the questions from those shareholders are crowdsourced through our platform. Tesla shareholders are able to connect and no matter which broker-dealer they invest in, which is a key, key part of the technology, they can come to say and they can uh, participate in these events. Uh, and it's really up to the issuers, the companies and funds to decide what they want to do with that. Once they have direct access to their shareholders, uh, what, what they want to do with it. Annual meetings and earnings calls are kind of the most natural forum fora for these uh, engagements to take place. But there's, uh, we think, a, a, whole, a whole untapped world of, of engagement uh, that we're very excited to be pursuing uh, in the near future. You mentioned how investor communications have worked in the past, i.e. sharing information on proxy votes, corporate actions, and fund reports. And I understand historically all of this information has been shared via the U.S. Postal Service. Obviously, one of SAE's value adds is the technology platform you use for distribution. But can you also talk a little bit more about how you are different from some of the incumbents in the industry? Sure. And, and yeah, and that's the, the big one is, is technology. You know, we're a completely different type of company from the, the, the big incumbents in this space. Uh, we're, you know, we've, we're fortunate enough to have literally hired some of the best minds from Silicon Valley you know, in our nation's technology industry to rebuild or build from scratch what an investor communications system should look like in 2019. So our, our technology has, uh, it's much more automated, it has much lower overhead, it's much easier for broker dealers to incorporate into their uh, mobile apps and web front ends if that's something they want to do. Uh, it's, we, we consider investor communications a product uh, as opposed to just a compliance function for our, our clients. So it's kind of all around we're a completely different type of company uh, and a completely different type of, of mindset. Uh, and, and we feel that when we go in to speak with clients, particularly the digital forward clients, robo-advisors, uh, broker-dealers who are mobile first or mobile innovation teams of incumbent broker-dealers. And when we talk to those guys and we bring our, our engineering and product teams into those meetings, uh, I think they all know that we're, we're, we're a new type of company in this space and that we're going to be doing things a little differently. Can you talk about some of the partnerships you have with companies in financial services or fintech in general? Yeah, we're, we're fortunate to have, have partnered really with some of the most innovative fintech firms out there start with Acorns. Uh, you know, Acorns, the, the robo-advisor, they, they've been a partner for well over a year uh, with Say. And we at Say handle 100% of the regulatory communications for the Acorns customers. And, and at Acorns, they happen to be uh, 100% invested in uh, ETFs, Vanguard and BlackRock ETFs. So we handle a huge amount of communication for the millions of, of uh, clients at Acorns. Something that they, they do there is they have a, a really incredible approach to investor education at Acorns. I think they, they kind of consider education a product. Uh, if you think about the, the profile of the average Acorns user, they're uh, young, uh, in many cases, first-time investors getting into the investment game uh, for the first time. And education is a really important component of that. So something we've done with them is we've partnered with their uh, marketing team and their team focused on this education and content and we've allowed them to incorporate that content into the communications that we provide to their customers. So it's a blending of their uh, marketing. And this is, it touches on what I was saying previously, which is thinking about these communications 
from a customer and user experience perspective. And that's something, you know, Acorns is a design award-winning platform. It's really, really a beautiful experience for their customers. So we've allowed them to maintain that level of quality and, and that standard in those, and incorporate the content they want to across the board uh, in their communications. We've also recently partnered with Cash App, Square's uh, Cash App, through our a partner uh, called Drive Wealth, which is a digital custodian broker-dealer. And it's a similar approach there. You know, they have... Uh, Notional investing, meaning you invest based on a number of dollars as opposed to a number of shares. So you have a lot of smaller investors, first-time investors who are, are learning about what it means to own a piece of a company. And they have a, a, an experience that they're building around investing in Cash App, which involves creating this connection between a company and shareholder. And we're, we're proud to partner with them on helping make that a reality. We're also partnering with a few others that I, I can't mention by name, but one of the largest uh, retail brokers in the United States is actually incorporating uh, our API into their mobile app right now. Uh, so millions of millions of shareholders of all companies and funds in the country will be able to access, say, through this broker's mobile app. And at the same time, we realize there's a there's a huge opportunity on the fund side, the ETF side specifically. We saw that at Acorns with the Vanguard and BlackRock ETFs that are in the Acorns portfolios. So we're also partnering with one of the largest ETF providers uh, in the in the world on an initial uh, partnership to incorporate, say, into the ETF offering. So at a high level, if you own a, you know, S&P 500 ETF, it's a passive product. There's not all that much you can do with it. Uh, but if you add, say, to that, and with the focus on ESG and stewardship, and the, the, the massive concentration of governance power that we're seeing at some of the few large asset managers, uh, say is a way to differentiate those products for those asset managers. And it's a way for holders of those funds to have an experience around being an investor that's detached from portfolio management. It has nothing to do with you know, divesting from stuff you don't like, for example, or, or choosing an ESG fund that maybe doesn't perform as well as, 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 as another fund. It's a separate say layer, a governance layer, on top of that product that, that, that shareholders can interact with. So we're, we're very excited about that partnership coming alive in 2020. So I think you covered some of this in, in your last answer, but what are some of the other trends you've seen in fintech that are affecting your business? Yeah, so the, yeah, I mean, I mentioned a couple, of, as you said, the, the shift to, to passive, which has been big for a number of years, which is you know, inst- instead of picking individual stocks and thinking you're, you're better than the market or better than everyone else, investing in, in uh, index-based products, that's a huge trend that we capitalize on because, as I just mentioned, say is an additional a layer of engagement that turns these passive products into active experiences for their holders without affecting portfolio management. Now, the rise of ESG, which I also mentioned, everyone's talking about it. No one really knows what to do about it. Uh, everyone keeps saying you know, this this will be the year that ESG you know really comes to the forefront, and we're spending lots of money on it. It's a it's still a nebulous concept, I think, for most large financial institutions. What do we do about it? Do we you know, offer new products? How does it implicate our, the way we conduct our own businesses? We, I think that you can't have a conversation about ESG without bringing the uh, investors, the ultimate source of the investment dollars, uh, into the fold. You know, what is the, you know, whatever the outcome is, how you feel about ES or G, the mechanism, you know, the, the pipes to power that ESG inquiry need to exist. And, that, and that's where we think SAFE fits in, which is 
you know, we, uh, you know, XYZ asset manager are taking this strategy on ESG. Well, let's actually see what the, the fund holders, for example, or the source of the investment dollars think about that, and particularly with respect to the, the E and the S, you know, environmental and social uh, factors, because it's quite possible, and many you know, have said this, uh, that, that the uh, ESG strategies that, that asset managers are undertaking, the fund holders or the, the source of the, the investors actually don't agree with them. So there's, there needs to be a way to have those conversations and to conduct those inquiries. And, and SAIS technology provides that. Uh, and another big trend, which is, I think, starting to, or it's probably started a while ago, which is the rebundling of kind of personalized financial services and uh, capability as a service providers being bundled up at single points of contact with customers. And what I, what I mean by that is there's no reason for a person interacting with the financial system to have to go to you know, five or 10 different companies for uh, cash investments, stock investments, home loans, you know, all the various financial products. They should all be accessed through one or a small number of platforms. And the, the companies that are winning are, are the ones who are uh, integrating the, the best-in-class capabilities from other service providers all in one spot. And you can kind of see you know, Cash App just launched investing. Acorns has a debit product. Betterment just launched cash. You know, and everyone's kind of combining what, what a person needs all in one spot. And the, the companies who are winning are those who are combining, you know, those, those, the Betterments and the Acorns and the Squares of the world. And then on the other hand, the, the, those capability as a service providers, the ones who best provide the various capabilities that the amalgamators are looking to bring together. And, and I think Say is one of those companies. If, if, you're, if you're a company incorporating investments into your platform, well, there's probably a broker dealer in the background somewhere. And that broker dealer very well may need investor communication services. And if you want to have the best investor communications experience for your clients and to bring alive the rights of ownership and governance and engagement uh, that come with being an investor, well, SAIS API is there and ready for you to do that. And companies are getting more and more comfortable with the idea of exposing their clients to third parties in that way. And so we think we're going to we're capitalizing on that trend already and, and we'll continue to next year. And what about the regulatory environment we're in today? How would you say that's affecting SAIS business? It's extremely important for us. I mean, this is, you know, we're not, I'd say we're not just a regulated business. You know, every financial institution, company and financial services is, is regulated or affected by regulation in some way. Same with you know, healthcare, all these regulated businesses. Our business exists because of regulation. And the, the reason why brokers need to forward these materials, the reason why companies need to get a proxy statement to their shareholders and the fees they pay for it are all determined by regulation. You know, the structure and pricing of our market itself is a function of largely SEC regulation. And it just happened to be that uh, shortly after we started the company, the SEC proactively, without any doing on our part, uh, decided to take a look at the proxy system and to take a look at these rules uh, that determine this, the shape of this market and try to improve them. And in fact, try to enable more technology to come into the space, to increase efficiencies, to increase retail investor engagement, to increase participation overall. All these things that are perfectly aligned with Say's mission. Uh, the SEC came out and said, we want to help do those things. So it's an amazing, fortuitous turn of events in, in that the SEC is looking at this and continuing to look at this. And so they, they convened something called the, uh, the proxy roundtable. I was on the proxy roundtable 
uh, last year, and it's it's continued uh, its work in a number of of, uh, of working groups, industry working groups, and and we're we're very optimistic. I, I won't bore you with the the arcane securities law um, <laughs> details that are that are up for debate right now, but but long story short, we think it'll be a good thing for largely for issuers, public companies, and funds who are already paying for this stuff to get more out of it, to either pay less or to pay the same thing and, and get a lot more. I'd like to say pay less and get more, I think is what the, what the rule changes will, will allow companies to start doing. So I wanna bring it back to the company again for a second here. So what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced since co-founding the company? Well, there are a lot <laughs> to think. So I guess I'll answer this from a personal perspective and then from a, a company perspective. Personal perspective is it's, it's the complete opposite of of my previous job and kind of my training and orientation, which was in a very hierarchical, regimented uh, law firm, you know, pretty much the most formal work environment I think left, to something completely. You know, every day I come in, I have a vague sense of what's going to happen that day, and then usually that turns out to not be the case. It's it's uh, moving a million miles an hour on a million things at once. Uh, and and kind of moving it, trying to keep things moving forward all at the same time. It's a challenge, but it's great. I mean, it's 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 pretty exciting, and it it makes it it's hard for me to envision uh, ever having a normal job again. So that's personal. I've on a on a company level, it's a little bit of what I spoke about in the beginning, which is changing the mindset of people in this industry, e- even for the most senior people in this in this space. It's it's pretty much always been the same way. As I said, the, the rules kind of go back to the early 80s, the way the, the basic structure of the market for investor communications, the way that services are delivered and paid for, uh, getting people to, to break out of the, the mindset that this is just a compliance function and that there's not much value to be gained here and to have them start thinking about it as a product and, a, and an opportunity for brokers, for example, to improve their platforms and experiences for their customers. Getting people to, to think that way takes some time. I mean, we're as as even large financial institutions incorporate in innovation teams and digital wealth teams and people who are you know, whose sole job it is to look towards the future and help uh, incorporate things like this. It's it's getting easier, but I'd say that's been a, a pretty consistent theme across our our conversations. So, what would you say is next for say, and how do you think the industry will evolve? So, for example, do you think that blockchain might come in and disrupt the industry? Well, lots of people are talking about blockchain. Uh, in this space, distributed ledger-based voting technology. It was, it was a, a hot topic of discussion at the SEC uh, proxy roundtable. It continues to be on, on the agenda. I, I think it's, you know, intellectually, it makes a lot of sense. You, know, you have a bunch of you know, distributed parties. They're all submitting votes to the same ledger. The, dis, the disintermediation that comes with the, the incorporation of distributed ledger technology, it kind of it makes sense from an intellectual level. Uh, I think practically, doesn't make a ton of sense. There's there's so many moving parts, various entities that would need to buy in, many of whom would lose out major, in a major way on the incorporation of, of blockchain. And the reason the reason for that is to, to be clear, I, I think having blockchain-based voting without blockchain-based clearing and settlement, in other words, kind of the, the deep underlying infrastructure of the equity capital markets, doesn't really work. You need to go all in. And this is what I said at, at the SEC. All in on blockchain makes sense, but it's a, it's a really tall order that's going to take many years, if not decades. Uh, but, I, but I do think that with traditional database technologies and, and the technology that exists and is in the market today that can create a direct digital connection 
between shareholders and companies, there's a ton of value to be had. And the, the bringing together of the regulatory communication or the sending of proxies and prospectuses and so forth with non-regulatory communication, shareholder engagement and ESG events and Q&A on earnings calls and annual meetings, bringing all these communications, all shareholder communication, it's all under the same heading and sending that through the same pipes, you know, the, the pipes that Say has built and that power our technology today can create a ton of value, save a ton of money for issuers who are paying for it and really reinvent what it means to be an investor for people uh, to, to engage with their investments and with each other. All right, so last question here. So what are some of the fintech companies you've either worked with or come across that you think are disrupting the industry? So there are, there are, there are many. I won't be able to name them all. So, so let me, I, you know, I'll name one that I, that I think I've mentioned at least a couple of times, which is Drive Wealth. And Drive Wealth is a, is a partner of ours at Say. And they're, they plug into the, the capability as a service trend that I referred to earlier. Uh, they're a, a digital custodian broker, clearing broker dealer that provide essentially the back end uh, regulated broker dealer entity uh, for anyone who wants to incorporate investing into their products. Uh, so no one really wants to build a broker dealer from scratch. It's expensive and takes a while and there's lots of legal stuff that has to be dealt with. But, that, but you need a broker-dealer to, to custody investments. Uh, so what DriveWealth has done with their technology, and it's all digital, is they've allowed entities like Square and Cash App and MoneyLion and Revolut and, and many others to incorporate investing into their products without, seamlessly, you know, right, into the, right into the app without anyone really knowing that you're switching between entities or between companies in the background. So they're, they're, they're a cool company, and we... We work with them closely on a number of things, and, and they happen to be a, a great a great bunch of folks as well. So they're they're you know they're the one I would I would name, but there 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 are many others certainly. That was great, thank you, Alex, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Sam. I, I enjoyed it.